0: Listening to the Down the Pub podcast, Canada's premier football show. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Welcome to this special episode of the Down the Pub podcast. We are due to release our interview with Nico Giannopoulos today, but the last week has opened our eyes to the different lives people of colour experience to the rest of us. Marvin Okello the Wanderers sales and membership manager, reached out and said he'd like to come on the show to tell his story. We were also joined by Wanderers coach Jan-Michael Williams and regular contributors Chris and Carlos. The guys have been through a lot, but there's also an underlying message of hope and how we all can help eradicate racism in our society. Please sit back, listen, and hopefully we can all learn how to help. Joined on this by ticketing and member service guru for the Halifax Wanderers, Marvin O'Kelly. Uh, O'Kello. sorry, I beg your pardon. I was getting into my Irish head there, sorry. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> no worries, no worries. Welcome to the show, Marvin. <laughs> 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 Thanks, buddy. You're not the only one who's, uh, who's struggling uh, with it, so. uh,
0: Chris bought me a, uh, a bottle of whiskey, so I've had a, a wee nip at that, so I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's part of... It's part of the new normal, man. Right? <laughs> you know, it's. I think everybody's drinking a little bit every day, um, at least to some extent, to deal with the, everything that's going on. Right? So, no worries. And thanks no worries. for having me, Anthony. Yeah. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh no, man! With the pleasure's all ours, man. And um, we're also joined by the legend that is John Michael Williams. Welcome back to the show, my man. Uh, thank you for having me, guys. It's uh hopefully we'll be able to hear each other a little bit better this time than the last time. The last time yeah, the yeah. connection sucked. So yeah, we, you guys it, so it's good. And um, we're joined by Chris sarrell the host of Down the Pub's new Sunday show, The Last Call. Welcome again, Chris.
2: How's everybody doing today? How's everybody doing? I'm Carlos.
3: I'm joking. <laughs> we're yeah, all here. Right. <laughs> you're not gonna give me an irish last name or something
0: <laughs> we're, joined, excited, bro. we're joined by carlos o benitez uh, <laughs> so um thanks everybody for joining us so marvin just start with you um just tell us a little bit about yourself um what you do with the wanderers and your love of football and all that kind of good stuff
1: awesome awesome thanks anthony so um you know, I guess we will start right back from my my roots. For anybody who doesn't know, um, I was born in uh, in Kenya. Even though I have a Ugandan background, my my parents are from Uganda and their parents. And you know, one of the one of the things that happens during a lot of uh, you know wars and is you know people get displaced. So my parents were displaced from Uganda um, because of the i in in that situation and fled to uh, Kenya, where they had myself and. Two of my uh, other sisters. One was born in Uganda with them, and uh, eventually things got crazy in uh, in Kenya it was civil war, and we were a refugee camp for a bit, and eventually made it over to Canada. So I always say to people, you know, I'm uh, I was African born, but ca- Canadian raised. So that's a big part of my story and what led to me working for the Wanders, and you know, and and a big part of my identity. The, why I chose to work for the Wanderers, you know, so, um, so yeah, it's a little bit of a, I love soccer, obviously, anybody who knows me, I've played locally, and growing up, I was on that provincial team, and Canada Games team, where I uh, was lucky enough to be coached by people like Steve Hard, and, and, uh, and Mike Hunter, who was a assistant coach for the Wanderers last year, and, you know, Miss Mert, uh, I've been coached by him, played alongside him, so, um, I really have. Love the growing up and being involved in the soccer community here, but also the greater Nova Scotia community. So uh, that's a little bit about me.
0: Yeah, we're uh, we're glad you came, man. <laughs> thank you, thank you. He's definitely brightened the face up. Um, and we're also joined by, by, by Jan. So how's things down in Trinidad um, with the COVID situation? And when can the listeners expect to see you and your big smile back here in Halifax?
4: Oh, things are good. Um, we have been. We haven't, we, we haven't had a case, I think, for almost a month now. And um, they started um, bringing citizens back into the country. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think yesterday they recorded their first case for the last what, four weeks. So um, the numbers are really good. Um, I think the government has, has done well with dealing with this COVID situation. Obviously, it's a very difficult situation to deal with. Um, but yeah, things are good um, Everything's kind of Opening back up now um, We're allowed to go out And we're allowed to to, to, to you know, to, to Be in, in groups at 10 I think it still is um, Everybody's still a bit Precautious Taking precautions You know Washing their hands And social distancing um, Staying as hygienic And as clean as possible People are still Taking these things on board And um, yeah Everything is so good uh, Good so far
0: and uh, have you been keeping in touch with the club and have you been helping out with some of the, uh, the workouts for the keepers and, and stuff like that?
4: Yeah, well, they only really started back um, on yes, well, yesterday. Yeah, I'm not mistaken, yesterday. Uh, most of the time before that, we had a lot of sessions, um, tactical sessions, uh, strength and conditioning with Jeremy, um, you know, stuff like that and players will also doing their, their their bit to kind of stay fit and to stay as healthy as possible. You know, and I was just lending my experiences and, and everything else, uh, when necessary, trying to be involved in as many of these sessions as possible, trying to talk to the players and, and, and keep them motivated. Um, obviously, I don't think there's a player history of the game that can't say you know exactly how to prepare for a situation like this and how to deal with a situation like this. So uh, I guess it's just the, the entire group of staff, the players and uh, the management team just coming together and, and, and lending as much resources to the situation as possible. And I think uh, we have been coping really well uh, down at the Wanderers.
0: It's great to hear. Um, it's like, obviously we only get to hear bits and pieces. We don't get to hear what exactly is going on behind the scenes. So it's good to know that you're still in touch and you're still passing your wisdom to to other people. Yeah, Marv, um, you, like me,
2: grew up playing soccer in this area, Um, a league of many different talents, many different levels, if you will. Um, You and I crossed paths for one season. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was the first year of U18 for me or second year of U18. But one of the things that stood out for me was your respect, um, your mannerisms. Was that something that came from your roots back home, or is that something that kind of came from the Scotian blood?
1: <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. Um, I'd like to think that I always uh, carried myself with respect from a young age. So I, I got to give that credit to mom and dad, and uh, and the and the culture that I grew up around and in. Um, you know, we were always taught to to you know treat others the way you want to be treated. As as you know, I hope most people are around the world. So it's not necessarily that we're the only people that do that, but we really. We really own that, you know. From even the the words that we choose to use for for our elders when speaking to them versus uh, versus our peers who are who are our age, who are you know also children or teens, or whatever you know age we're in at the time. So I uh, I gotta give that to to mom and dad who, you know, made sure that me and my sisters were really very well-rounded individuals and respectful of um, other people regardless of where we were geographically. So uh, so. Mostly to to mom and dad for that one, for sure. And uh, to follow that, I guess
2: one of mom's stories she remembered from watching me play against you was there was one time the ball went out for a throw-in and uh, one of the parents threw you the ball and you said thank you. And little things like that stand out because in the heat of competition, manners and respect sometimes just goes out the window. And when my mom met you, I guess last year, um how many years after we played against each other over a decade she still remembered that little bit of professionalism um going into applying for this job I know you're a hell of a player so your heart might have been on the field to actually put that Wanderers jersey on but um talk about the process of getting involved in the club and um how your playing experience may have uh, helped you with that I suppose
1: yeah yeah no it's it's, <laughs> it's a really funny story actually you know I think people think that it was very clear that right from the get-go that they wanted me to be, you know, involved in ticket sales or whatever in that capacity, but really it was a lot. It was a lot of luck and just fate, I guess uh, I'll call it, because um, at the time, I just, Jamie McGinnis was one of the first people obviously hired by the club and, uh, and what he he did is he asked me to go for that launch that was at the convention center just to kind of juggle a ball because of my other experience with kids. Uh, I kind of coached around the community and been known as somebody who not only is involved in the soccer community, but, you know, really loves children and is involved in that as well. So, um we had that big you know velcro soccer wall i don't know if you saw the videos or anything so i was just you know juggling around and just keeping the kids entertained and uh and after that you know i told them that i was really interested in any capacity because at the time i was working for uh my home big quality footwear which is you know a bunch of shoe stores locally here um so it was it was a good opportunity for me because i was honestly just getting to the end of that that uh that retail world and and i really was I was hungry for more and something, you know working for a club and something that I could feel more value and feel like I was giving back to a greater community and, and Wanderers was just perfect timing really for that and so I started off as just a brand ambassador uh, just working the first few games like that against the Düsseldorf and yep. just putting myself uh, making myself available in any way I could help and eventually They asked me to be involved in, you know, calling people for season tickets. Uh, once people had placed deposits, and it's something that I own very quickly because of what you just mentioned. You know, I'm very involved in the soccer community, um, but I'm also involved in a lot of other sports. I played basketball, volleyball, badminton, ping pong, I think. Um, Pretty much the only sport I didn't play is hockey because also my background. We don't have too much ice in Kenya, so uh, (laughs) that one's a bit obvious, but... But yeah, so eventually, there came time for myself. I was like, you know, I'm making myself available for a lot of these shifts. But is it something that I just want to, you know, remove myself from the retail world completely and just go all in? And and uh, and I gave I gave Derek and Jamie that notice that I was there if they wanted me in a full time capacity. And and I was lucky enough that uh, that it just the ticket sales kind of roll and just kind of fell into place and they offered it to me and and from there you know uh the rest is history as they say how is the recovery going brother because i know there's a few people who are curious
2: um because you've had a couple of setbacks but i'm wondering if the not doing anything
1: over the last couple of months has kind of helped you out a bit yeah yeah it's 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 bittersweet you know because like you like you said i did tear my achilles uh last last july end of july early august and it's even before that, there was you know a series of injuries since I turned 30. Um, <laughs> I'm really feeling the effects of it, so it's it has been tough, uh, especially in the pandemic world where I was just getting into a routine with physiotherapy, and then all of a sudden, boom, you know everything shuts down, including physio. So that's something that I was really um, missing as soon as as soon as they all closed because it was it's tough to do a lot of these workouts on your own without some of the equipment and uh, also just somebody with the experience to kind of walk you through a lot of the, the new motions and, and things that I'm going through but have yeah. done my best to, to continue it and, uh, and obviously I'm a little bit behind but I think I'm, I'll, I'll be fine within the next two three months and looking forward to, to being more involved with, with, uh, with the soccer side of things at some point
0: wait till you hit 40 you get to, it's, down, it's downhill from here bud.
1: <laughs> that's what they say, that's what they say.
3: <laughs> and Marvin uh, this is just kind of related to Chris's uh, question pretty much matters I think like um, home is a first school and I'm from South America and my parents also Uh, are from that culture that you always have to say good afternoon thank you and 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 i'm glad that that there's people still with those manners and you're one of those and it's not only your manners like towards people also your work ethic you're a one-man army man i see (laughs) you like working like selling tickets and i remember talking to derek and a lot of a lot of teams in the CPL, they, they have ticket sales, but they have like three, four people, and they don't hit the numbers. We have only one, and it's you. And how does it feel, you know, like you kind of like you're doing the job for four or five people because we compare the Wonders to the self-tickets from all the different teams in Canada. Like we're rocking it. So h- how does it feel that you know like feeling like that you know when people compliment you about like the, the great job that you're doing in ticket sales
1: <laughs> well thanks a lot Carlos. first of all you know i appreciate that um work ethic is just another thing that you know i was instilled from from young age for our culture um you know my parents have have always taught me that um you know we, i have to work twice as hard as as anybody else especially anybody else who's who's white you know coming to north america that if I was going to make it anywhere is I couldn't work just as hard because I have to acknowledge that I'm in you know, other society and you know things that are working against me and I have to work you know 200% to make up that uh, that gap so that's something I've owned from a young age and, and um, you know I, I can't take a lot of the credit for the ticket sales for the Wanderers because even though uh, last year a lot of it I was doing on my own. Um, our team—I was part of a well-oiled machine, you know—and and, and Derek uh, has been a great leader from from day one. And Jamie was really well involved, and Matt Fegan, and and uh, Dave Finneson, and you know, every, everyone has been very supportive. Deny has been really great, um, you know, Dylan Lawrence. So we have a very diverse, you know, office, and also full of other people who are just as passionate as I am. And uh, I think. Derek really did a good job of that when he recruited mm-hmm. each and every one of us for our positions. He got a passionate group of guys. So it's not like we look at it like 40 hours a week is is what we need to put in. It's like the, there's no number because um, we want this to be successful. We want to uh, this to continue for many years and mm-hmm. create a foundation that you know we can build upon. So so I appreciate you recognizing my work ethic, but it's definitely you know I'm part of a greater um organization of people who share that passion and that drive and mm-hmm. and uh and i i am pumped that we got the numbers we got last year but i'm not i'm not satisfied you know we were looking to push even more this year and grow mm-hmm. on that and uh pandemic is is a new challenge that we're facing mm-hmm. but i think we'll we'll get through it like everything else as a collective and mm-hmm. uh it'll be better from
3: it you say it bro you say it and speaking of derek let's talk about Derek king um, this is my question for Jan Michael Williams. Um, Derek is—it's is, is, now in uh, the assistant coach of the Trinidad Trinidadian national team now. So you kind of like stepping into the assistant role too. I know Masood is there, but you're gonna probably like doing the keeper training. I don't know, like how does it feel? Um, do you have any anticipation and excitement? Like you can wait to be here. If you can share that uh, into this new role, because you're not going to be a player anymore you're Michael you're going to be more like a coach and you're kind of well known for all the local room and 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 I just want to know your experience like what are your thoughts about this new role that you you're going to be um working with the Wonders
4: um excitement excitement is able to to kind of describe the feeling that I'm having right now um a lot of a lot of kind of disappointment that I'm not there at present. Um, But to be honest, I think the type of individual I am, um, every team that I have been a part of, every team that I've played with, I was one of the captains, if not the captain of the team. Even from the age 18 when I started, 17, sorry, when I started Mm -hmm. uh, with W Connection Football Club back in, Trinidad, um, which was by far one of the best teams in the Caribbean, um, I was one of the captains. Um, I've always had a or people would always know me to be that type of person that that, that can command a, a, a dressing room. Um, I've always been a student of the game. I've always been trying to expand my knowledge and, and improve on not only the goalkeeping aspect of the football, but the entire team, because I always want to be able to, to share and pass on good, positive information to the players on the team and to help the team to grow. So, for me, it's just excitement. It's just for me to to, to, to get to Halifax and to, to start, or I shouldn't even say to start, to continue on where we left off last season, where I left off last season. Obviously, I won't be playing. I won't be involved directly on the pitch. But um, I think I have a lot of good information to share, um, a lot of positive things to share, not only uh, to Christian and um, the other goalkeeper, Jason, but to the entire group. So for me, it's just excitement. I'm just really excited and I'm and, and hoping that this season could really kick off and we could we kind of take it up a notch and build from what we what we were able to achieve last season
3: that's great And following that question though now, um, being um, you were a player from the 2019 roster now in 2020 you are stepping up in a different role. Do you think that knowing all the players? Not not knowing all because look, we got a new squad now, but mo- uh, we have the core of, of of last year's roster. Do you think that gives you an advantage? Uh, how do you feel about uh, about it? Like because you know, like you know, your teammates they were ex, you, they were your teammates before, and now you're gonna coach them. Like, do you think that that gives you perhaps an extra step ahead? So the message goes straight to the player about yeah. how, how any technique, how you wanted to play in the local room, et cetera?
4: Exactly. Um yeah, I, it definitely does give me an advantage. I think um although I will I was like playing with them last season, a lot of the a lot of the players, if not all, saw me as almost like a, a big brother. You know, um I think they, they kinda looked up to me, especially at times when situations got hard, um, on and off the field to mm-hmm. to always come forward and give positive and good information. Um so, this season now is no different. Um, obviously, there's there they are, they are new players. Mm-hmm. There are people I'm not familiar with. But that is part and parcel of, of professional football. You leave mm-hmm. one team, you go to another team, you have to pick up, you have to, to try to understand uh, mm-hmm. in that regard your teammates. And as a coach, you have to try and understand your players as quickly as possible. And you have to develop a good working relationship. You have mm-hmm. to, to be able to get the best out of players while not forcing them and pushing them in a, in, in a direction that they are not willing to go in, you know. So, um, as I said, for me, I've always been, regardless of the team, I've been in, the teams I've been involved with in the past, I've, I've always had that type of leadership role. And um, it's no different. It's, it's just for me to come in now to, to, to kind of uh, intermingle with the guys, try to get to understand each and everybody as quickly as possible and try to help them to achieve the best that they can to help the group to, to push on, as I said from last season.
0: Yeah, just a just quick question for for Jan Michael. Um, so obviously you've had an extended uh, postseason, through uh, no fault of your own. But I, 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 are you regretting the retirement thing? <laughs> Whew, I, I... Not to cut you off, Mom. Mom asked this to
2: ask too, so I'm glad Anthony asked because Mom was <laughs> like. Does Jan-Michael regret retiring now that he had a little bit of extra time off? Um,
4: the best part of football is play. You can ask anybody who's ever been involved in the sport. The absolute best part of it is being on the pitch. Um, just feeling that excitement uh, on the pitch, feeling that, that competitive nature on the pitch and, and just, and just being on the pitch and, and, and competing, you know? Um, obviously, uh, it's something that I, I never thought would have come. Um, I always wanted to play and go on, maybe into my late 40s played football. But um, I think the opportunity to, to to really get into the coaching aspect of it and to prolong my career in this sport came up at, at Halifax. And I, and I accepted it uh, with open arms, not only because of uh, the good group of players, not only because of the the... The gem that you all have in our coach, which is Stephen Hart. Um, but just simply because of the city, yeah, simply because of the fan base, the support, I think Halifax, and I've, I've said it before, and I'll continue to say, I see Halifax now as my second home. Um, I've been to every continent, I've been to almost 200 countries on the planet. And by far, like I think, and this is not me, on <laughs> no formal advertisement at all, advertisement at all. <laughs> but I, I think Canada is the best. And I think Halifax is, is, is one of if not one of the best, if not the best place I've been to in my travels. I really like it there. I like um the 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 vibe and the spirit of the people in the community. I like um the passion that you guys have for the football. Um you we were talking before about uh Marvin's job in ticket sales. I'll tell you what, his job is easy. The hardest part of his job is to to, to, to be able to tell the fans, there are no more tickets for today's game. Yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to talk you out of a job here, Marv. <laughs>
1: He's right in a lot of ways, though, man. That was, you know, that was one of the easier things we had with Halifax, with people just jumping for tickets. It's you know? yeah. <laughs> For
4: me, the the, the best place, and, and, and I really like it there. And as I said, the opportunity came up to, to, to help Stephen and to help the Halifax Wanderers and to have the city become uh, the sporting capital or the football capital of of Canada. And I I, I said it at the beginning of the season, I said it during the season, and I said, no, Halifax Wanderers and the entire group, the entire organization has what it takes to become the best football club in Canada. And I
1: just want to be a part of it. Amen, brother. Amen. Completely agree.
3: Man, that that really moved me. <laughs>
1: that that that's so good. Just, <laughs> I'm just
3: this close to cry,
1: man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I fully back that statement as well. It's true. You know? Yeah, jokes like aside. Yep. There's you know from true all facts. the different things that everyone brings from uh from Derek with his sport background, with you know with his uh with sports, entertainment, Atlantic, and and Matt with his you know tech background and also soccer background and diverse background because Matt Vegan also has a as a, as a crazy story, you know, from growing up in Dubai and being all over the world and, uh, and denied being from Greece. And, you know, we, we have, we have the diversity, we have the passion, we have, uh, the foundation, um, and the fan base, which is always a, you know, something that you can't undervalue is the fan base. How amazing Halifax has been. Um, there's no secret that we have the best fans in, in the league and, uh, if not North America. So, I completely agree with you there, Jan.
0: I'm um I just wanna make sure that you're keeping fit, Jan, because you know, if anything happens to Christian or Jason, <laughs> we might need you to step in, you know. So
1: nothing's gonna happen you. to
0: them. I promise you <laughs> nothing's gonna happen today. I'd rather see I'd rather see you in the nets than Steven, so <laughs> <laughs>
1: next probably agrees with that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's great
0: so um th- just moving on to the, the, the next little part of the show um like i moved here from ireland and of course i've had the drunken Irish jabs at me and the famine jokes and all that kind of stuff but obviously what you guys go through on a daily basis is something that I'll never understand. So I was just wondering if you guys could just tell us a little bit about your experiences and what Halifax in particular needs to do to change things and um, where we go from, from after, obviously seeing what's happening in the States right now.
1: Yeah. um, I mean, obviously this is, as, uh, as, as me and Jen, there's no other way of seeing it than we're black, you know? So we, we really feel what's going on with uh, what happened with George Floyd and, you know, really feel for his family and, and, and everyone involved in that community, but um, we're really glad, I think I speak for both of us and I say we're really glad that the conversation is now being had. You know, the the means was unfortunate for how we started the conversation, but it's great to see the, the reaction globally for, you know, from sports, from uh, businesses, from, you know, both white, Asian, Hispanic, everyone is, is reacting and having the greater dialogue which, which is a which is the first step, you know, and and I'm really it's it's tough because we all feel all these different emotions on a daily basis from anyone who watched that video. It was it was a tough watch, you know, but it really made you dig deep and, and think about what you made how you feel and, you know, and and why that happened. So, you know, locally there's there's things that have already started, you know, there's people who are starting petition about the body cameras um, against the, you know, for the police to hold everyone accountable. And that's, that's one thing that I think everywhere should be doing, you know? And, and, uh, it's one that a lot of people I find think that once you have zero cases or, you know, they don't record anything, they don't catch anything. It's like, okay, well, you know, we need to scrap that funding. Like it's not money well spent, but I'm very of the opposite because the goal is to have zero cases caught on camera because of the fact that they're, they, they feel, you know, the responsibility of the camera being on. And, and if we can get to a place where, you know, there is zero cases everywhere in the world and and starting with just, you know, with Halifax here, um, that, that is the goal. And we continue it for another year. Let's make zero cases. Another year of zero cases. So I, that's where I really struggle because people, Stop programs because we get to zero cases, but really, that's the end goal and uh, the ultimate success of, of a campaign is that you don't have anything happen. It it should be so normal that that's the progression and and you know there's there's societal things that we need to change like that um, if if we're ever going to get to to a solution. So, Whew.
4: I don't know what the re- I don't know where to start. Um, I think the reality for me is that. What black people go through on a daily basis, some people may never really truly understand. Marvin said something earlier on and it, 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 it's just resonating in my head because he would have gotten a message from his parents um, that as a black person, you have to work, you have to give 200%, you have to work twice as good because the way society and the world is set up. And I think the reality of that is all black parents tell their children the same thing. Um, I would have heard that from my mom and dad growing up, and I tell my daughter that and she's nine years old. And that's just the reality of, of what we face on a daily basis. It's almost become the norm now. It's almost become a normal thing, um, which is sad to say, but we have almost gotten accustomed to racism. I don't know if you would kind of agree with me, to an extent, Marvin, because there are some things we kind of, as Black people, turn a blind eye to, you know, okay, that was a bit racist, but you let it slide, and we only focus on the bigger issues. So it's tragic to see the situation with George Floyd, um, that he had to die for this to come about. But I've seen several videos after this fact where Black people, they, they weren't murdered, but they would have gone through things that for me, as a black person, it's almost a normal thing. It's, it's, it's the norm. Um, when I lived, when I played in, 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 in Hungary, for example, in Budapest, um, there's a situation where I went into a, a supermarket, a, 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 a corner store, I should say, and There was a line, like two, three people in front of me and they were sold. And when I got to the front of the line, the lady behind the counter, she disappeared. And like two, three minutes passed, four, five minutes passed, six minutes passed. Um, And then this young guy came out and I was like, "Um, what's up? And he was just looking me dead in the eye and I was like, what's the problem? And he's like, oh, we we don't sell you, you kind here. What? And for me, I was this was this was ten years ago. I was almost in shock. I was like, "What?" And he was like, "Yeah, yeah we don't sell UK. They probably try the other store around the corner." I was like, "Was the problem I have cash? You, you know, is there an issue?" He said, like, "No, we just don't sell. We don't sell UK." And for me, from that point coming forward, I've been to several different countries, and that has been for me a minor form of racism. I'm lucky enough that I haven't faced any sort of brutality with with, with police or or, or random people putting their hands on me or stuff like that, but um, what kind of made me happy this morning is waking up to see so many different people joining in in, in solidarity and, and, and showing support for something that they may not fully understand, they may not have ever experienced, they definitely have never experienced, but I think in the year twenty twenty um it has to come down.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you nailed you nailed it on the head and it's it's tough because you know it, it's something like you said, Jen, you know, we've we've experienced it from such a young age that it's so normalized in our lives, um, that it's it's tough to to have hope that this is going to end now because we've been through a lot of you know George Floyd's a lot of Ahmaud Arbery's a lot of you know the George Zimmerman situation a lot of there's just so many examples if you go if you go back and you know you, you look you look up things so there was one thing that Derrico Siemens who was a who was a local activist said um you know with what was happening yesterday in Halifax with the knee and Spring Garden you know there's thousands of people who who went there to show solidarity for black people and you know, one thing he said was that history repeats itself because the present doesn't listen. Yes. You know, and that, that really spoke to me and it, it really captures very well why, you know, it, this whole thing just happens over and over and over again. And uh, and it's great that we're having the conversations, but we have to really strike while the iron's hot, you know, and we, we have to make. Uh, law changes and, you know, societal changes that will uphold even after it's not a trending topic or, you know, it's not the, the thing that's on, trending on social media right now. It's bigger than that. And, and it's really important that we, we, we talk, but then we take action, you know, and, and that's always been the second part has, has been lacking in so, so many different uh, campaigns and by so many leaders, you know, and and it's it's sad to see America's leadership right now do the exact opposite of what needs to be happening, you know. Because after after MLK passed away, unfortunately, you know, that's that's when certain acts actually came into being, you know, because riots happened, and it's it's tough for 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 white people understand to to understand because. They, they don't experience it, but if we're ever going to get to a point where we move forward, you have to be able to understand it without experiencing it, right? Like there's certain things in our, in our daily lives that we have sympathy for without ever experiencing, you know, like we all know people who who have been raped. We know people who have, you know, have been in a car accident and, and, you know, things that are closer to all of us, but we we feel for them without ever going through it ourselves. That's the same way we have to get with racism. If it's ever going to be something that is eradicated or at least almost eradicated is we need people to be empathetic and sympathetic for the cause without experiencing it, without having personal experience to it. I am so sympathetic and empathetic to everyone's cause. And I think that's why Everyone respects me in a lot of different ways. I have white friends. I have female friends. I have gay friends. I have, I don't see anybody because of their situation or I don't judge them on it. How you treat me is what makes me like you or appreciate you or, you know, continue with you. Not how you look, not your social class, not your, you know, if your parents are together and they raise you in a, you know, in a home like that. None of that matters to me just do you treat me with respect because that's how I'll treat you with respect. If you can appreciate that, you know, yeah, so, and it's
2: honestly, like since this whole COVID thing started, like to take it outside of that box, just briefly, that's kind of become my whole um, daily mission when it comes to interacting with people is how are they treating me? You know, I, have been, personally um very susceptible to negative energy and kind of try to build from it to make positive energy and i realized over the last few months with the coronavirus it's just no there's no sense there's no point um jan michael was just saying he felt a a bit of a positive energy from this because unlike some of the other incidents like marvin mentioned trayvon martin for example which should in at least in my opinion have been the catalyst um There's so many people out all over the world in solidarity. And I always joke with my journalism friends, I hate the word solidarity. It's overused. We can find different ways to express it. But yesterday was the first time I think I felt solidarity in the definition of the word, not just the word that the media throws out there to to kind of grab people's attention. So since the last couple of weeks, to come back to the topic we're talking about, a lot of the people with the negative energy I found were already muted. They were already out of my life. And I kind of felt like from a personal standpoint in regards to reading society and communicating with people, like I said before, this situation is going to make us all better people because hopefully we all treat ourselves better and get rid of the shitty people in our lives. And, you know, like you were saying, it sucks that something like this had to happen for it to happen. But like Dr. Martin Luther King, and, and I always say John F. Kennedy, too. I throw him right in that same boat because he was a white man who was trying to do so much for black people. Um, those two assassinations develop change. And I'm not trying to say anything about assassinations on the air um, <laughs> or imply any of the such. But it's going to take a, a, a moment in history to
1: actually make a change. And for Go ahead. And not, and not to cut you off, Chris, but it, you know it's tough because for black people you have to take it even further. You know, like everyone was taught, you know, to treat others how they treat you. But like, it's a reality for black people that it's even a step further than that. Because I can't treat people the way they treat me. Honest, honestly, and truly, if if I treated everyone the way they treated me, it would be a cruel world. Yeah. It would be it would be a very cruel world at times. So, you know, as a black person, you're taught treat everyone the way. You, <laughs> they treat you, but also treat them with respect if they treat you like dirt. Yeah, you know, exactly. and and because <laughs> you're under the microscope even more. So I can have somebody call me the n-word. I can have somebody and 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 I'll be real, you know, because part of the issue is that people don't realize that it happens locally. And you know, we're talking about a George floyd situation, but i'll even I'll even talk about a situation that happened here in Halifax. Um, the year Trump got inaugurated. I was coming home from, you know, celebrating a friend's birthday with some people down at Toothy Moose, which I used to frequent back in my day, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I was just walking home down by Bell Road, actually, just around the corner from, from you know, the, the beautiful Wanderers Grounds, and I was jumped by these four yeah, white guys. I remember this. And, um, and they were, you know, they were yelling Trump. They were yelling Trump in Canada, white Canadians. While I they not were to, jumping me. Not, not to
2: cut you off. I remember trying to tell that story because, like, you didn't make it public public at first. I remember, if I'm not mistaken. I, I really wanted to. I, yeah. It, I was conflicted with how to do yeah. it, how much but I, I want to share it. and Yeah. And I remember you telling me about it. And I was, like, trying to tell people about it. And on topic, people didn't believe me. No. So, like, how can we even start the conversation if shit's happening and you're not to even finish, Just listen. to
1: finish how that story yeah. ended. And, yeah. Um, yeah is I was being attacked for a good five minutes. You know, they're pushing me around the circle. They were starting to kick me. And three unidentified black guys came and, and, you know, one of them punched one of the guys in the face, and they jumped in and gave me an opportunity to run. And I ran home the entire way home, crying, called my mother and told her what had just happened. And it was – I I don't even know who those three guys were. But, you know, I I really thank – thankful that they were there Um, and I'd like to say that I think if it was any other three people in Halifax generally even if they were white they probably would have helped too but it's sad that here we still even have white people who feel (laughs) that they can be empowered by a guy like Trump you know and and there's there's a lot of them like it's sad to say there's a lot of them and they're among our circles and right now black people are taking a very close look at their circle you know so the people who are being silent like appreciate that you might lose some friends because of it. Exactly.
4: Um let me say one thing, Mama. Um when I get to Halifax, I'll 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 have to to come over and get you in my, my school. I've never lost a fight in life, so I'll I'll have to you you'll have to check me out for a couple weeks, of weeks. <laughs> <For sure,
1: brother. laughs>
4: that, that is unacceptable. Um but to um, read. Um Just to compound on the word solidarity, I absolutely hate the use of the word solidarity. I'll tell you why. It takes away from from talking about the issue, and the issue is racism. Um, A lot of people in, in big companies and big corporations, they stray from using the word racism. They stray from the hashtags and the Black Lives Matter movement. They stray from it and they use the word solidarity to all. And for me, right now, the issue is Black people. Before the coronavirus, there was racism. After the coronavirus, there's still going to be racism. Racism has been around long before I was born, long before all of us were born, combined. So I'm really happy with the fact that the conversation is being had now. I really happy with the fact that people who are not directly affected are trying to educate themselves and trying to kind of empathize with, with the situation that black people face on a daily basis. Um, they talk about the, 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 the rioting, and, which is something I don't particularly agree with. Um, they talk about the violent protests, which is something I don't particularly agree with. Agreed, agreed. are these same people talking about the number of lives that have been uh, directly uh, affected by this racism situation. Um, if you take away the deaths, the, 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 the deaths that would have made it um, onto mainstream media because of, of, of social media, because of the invention of the smartphone, uh, with the cameras and so on, if you take those things out, there are still a lot of issues that black people have to face on a daily basis. Um, a sad one for me was was just as again scrolling through the, the, the social media and seeing that uh, some people coming from a particular part in Halifax have to change their last names to be able to to get job interviews for me that's sad um, and what 's sad about it is for me, Halifax is the best place on the planet. One of the reasons for that for me is because I have not ever seen a formal racism since I've been there. Thank goodness. Because um, I've only been there for a year, and maybe there is, maybe there is, but I have never seen any type of form uh, or formal racism since I've been there, which is something that kind of draws me even more towards towards Halifax. And if there are issues within Halifax that that that, that need to be addressed, I think not only it in important and responsible for the people directly affected to deal with these issues, but also it is important for the people that are not directly affected to deal with, it, affected to deal with these issues. Because, uh, again, going back to the word solidarity, there are many issues that we we, we, we have to deal with and we have to stand up to. Um, last year when I was there in Halifax, there was a situation where they had
2: the, the
4: march with the LGBT community and, and, and the Wanderers uh, showed solidarity <laughs> towards them. Um, and for me, I include, I am all inclusive all the time, all the time, because uh, you can never really judge people. You never know how people will, will, will raise, you never know the struggles they would have faced. And it, at the end of the day, your judge, your, your job is not to judge. Your job is to do two things. Your responsibility is to do two things. And for me, this is what it is, to respect everyone, and to love everyone because i continue to say we were born to love and we learn to hate everybody was born into love everybody was born from love Mm -hmm. and everybody should show even people that don't show respect to you you should show respect to them because uh the only way to turn an enemy into a friend is with love that's that's just my philosophy so again there's a lot of work to be done um and as I said this morning I woke up and I was extremely happy to see uh people who again are not directly involved, getting themselves involved, uh, getting themselves involved, getting the knowledge and the information out, and 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 hopefully 2020 is the year for some some sort of drastic change where, where this, this fight against racism is considered. I
0: think um just uh, like your experience in Hungary, it goes to show it's not just we all look down our noses at the U S and look at the shit show that's happening down there right now. It's not just a U.S. problem. It's a worldwide problem that everybody kind of needs to take a look at themselves and see like the coronavirus virus is kind of taught as one thing that, you know, if we all stick together, we can flatten the curve and we can do all whatever, like this should be no different. You know, racism is, is a disease. It's a virus that needs to be eradicated. And um, as I think this has definitely shown um, that, that like, if we do come together, we can, bring some change about, um,
1: Definitely, definitely. And just before we move on to the next point, you know, I want to elaborate on what Jan said there, you know, and he, he mentioned that he had, it's something that he's had to even teach his daughter and prepare her for. Um, and you know, that's something that's even become more real in my life recently. You know, I'm stepped out to an eight year old half, you know, boy who's half and, and he's, he's really having a hard time with everything that's going on. And I've had to have some really tough conversations with him that, you shouldn't have to have with an eight-year-old you know and and that's this is why i stress that we, we have to be able to be sympathetic to something without feeling it or empathetic empathetic and deal with it from a level of even children so that they're aware um and also you know thinking like like adults should that you know regardless of these kids in the playground that if they're if they're muslim or whatever like i don't care like as long as they're nice to me you know in in the playground and they're respectful to me like that that's what matters and we really have to start from the youth if it's ever gonna if we ever expect adults to to have any sort of any results so um because for me it's it even happened in in junior high and high school here there was there was incidents that you know people who i thought were even maybe not even my friends but acquaintances that you know people who at least i thought fundamentally liked and respected who I was you know doing things behind your back that you're just like really like you, yeah. you you see my color and it means that much to you like like that's that's what you see when you look at me like you're not you know it's, it's, it's hard to fathom as, as a child that like you didn't choose to be white I didn't choose to be black but you see me and you judge me based on the fact that I'm black like it's really tough and, uh, and we got to have those tough conversations with the kids um it's not just up to black parents it's it's honestly it's it's right now it's really important that white parents have those conversations with children and and prepare them for for the world that black kids are living in but also their part as a white kid to make the kids in the playground and that one kid who's feeling alone and you know be inclusive like like jan used and and um i agree with what he said with the word solidarity and there's there's a lot of things that you know, we can be micro, we can micromanage with this whole campaign and other awareness. I, I try not to focus on the on the details of the words people are using, um, how they're, they're choosing to support. I, I really try to just categorize everybody into two things. Are they trying to support or are they not? You know, so I, I try not to dig too much deeper into how they're supporting because I think it's more important that they are. And, you know, there's a lot of friends who have reached out and said, I, I don't know what to do or what to say, but just know yeah. that I support you. And I'm not racist. And, you know, I think you would know that, but if you need to hear it and me for vocalize it, you know, I'm, I'm there for you. I'm there with you and always will be. And, and, you know, that's, that's a good start guys. You know, Don't, don't be silent. Tell your black friends that I'm there, you know, acknowledge the elephant in the room and, and just show support. And, I agree that solidarity is not the way necessarily, um, but as, as long as you're showing some sort of support to your black community, it's better than 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 not. So, so
3: and I, a- I agree with what you said, and you guys mentioned here that, you know, you teach little kids about it, but if you go to school, kindergarten, they're teaching the kids, but it should be raised at home because you send your kids to kindergarten to school, And the professor, the teacher, teach them, like, you know what, we're all equal and blah, blah, blah. But the kids will get it in the classroom, but what about at home, you know? (gasps) They forget. And I I agree what you said there, that it should be embraced by the parents because, you know, to complement what they teach in school because, you know, it's not difficult to talk to your kids about it. Because at the end kids are mean and that thing it's since they're little, like they, they they play together with different races and kids are mean. Like sometimes like they, they, they don't think they don't think they just react. They are very impulsive and sometimes they hurt feelings. So since I feel like it's time to educate people since they're born, you know? That's and not- there's
1: never gonna be a good time to do it. That's a really yeah, you know, a really important thing to note is there's never going to be a good time or a perfect time or an opportune time to do it. Like, it, you just have to do it. It's just more important that you have the conversation with your children, with your work, with your you know that than how you have it. It's just just do it at the end of the day. And uh, and and one thing that I'm really I, I have to acknowledge is the Wanderers as a whole have been really great throughout this whole uh, this whole thing. You know. I, I sent out a message to to the team and you know um, saying that we need to say something to do something to make sure that everyone knows that um, the greater wanders community is you know we st- we stand together and and the reception was amazing from Derek from everybody in the office was a like, yes immediately we have to and 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 that is something that <laughs> really warms my heart you know because th- this isn't just. A job to me, working for the Wanderers. It's it's something that I really love, and 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 I think everyone realizes that. And uh, so it, it feels great to know that they're fully supportive. Um, and going forward, it's not something that we're gonna you know push under the rug. We're, we're 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 putting policies in place that that will be a foundation for the club going forward to address uh, issues like this before they happen. So. Um I'm I'm proud really proud of the response from the team and, and the league uh about about the topic. Um we've never had
2: anything in Halifax as cultural, multicultural as the Wanderers. Um like when the with the moose heads, you'll get the odd kid from Europe that comes over and you get to know their culture a little bit. But the Wanderers was not to use the term culture shock, but it kind of was. Um, you know, Yan Michael yourself, you and all the boys coming up from the Trinidad, we got that flavor that that culture down there, and we had a couple of guys from even southern America, and we had some fellows from Europe, and having Kodai come over from Japan, like it, there was just it, it was a melting pot to use that term, and it was a beautiful thing, and I think it was something that Halifax has never had, and to see Halifax embrace it the way it did um, gives me hope on the topic that we're talking about, that like things like the Wanderers will break down those walls, and like Carlos was just saying, kids. So many kids at those games were inspired, and so many of those kids, their heroes were Bona, were Yan Michael, were Ida, were Guti. They weren't white guys. They weren't Canadian guys. They were these guys from all over the world, and even some of the Canadian guys have backgrounds that aren't Canadian. It's The, the Wanderers play an important role, and like you said, Marvin, their, their immediate response to this I thought was fantastic, but I think from the very beginning, the club has played an important part in Halifax, moving on to that next step of cultural acceptance.
3: Yeah. Together from the ways.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, yeah. it, it's our identity and it's, it's great that we're owning the the fact that our differences do make us better and stronger. So
0: So this is just, a, just the last like little topic I, I wanted to just go over. Like, obviously uh, I don't know if you saw like Lewis Hamilton came out yesterday and said he was disappointed that some of the Formula One drivers hadn't come out in support of him because he's, pretty much the only person of color in that sport, and um, we've had incidents in, in football games with bananas being thrown at players and all that kind of shitty stuff. As a, as a, as a whole, what do you guys think that sport needs to do better to, uh, to stop this kind of hatred that comes uh, at, at sporting events? Um, yeah, there you go.
4: To me, this is just my observation, the two things that would have had the greatest effect so far in my lifetime on this on this racism situation, sport and music. I think for me being in, 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 in Europe, um, being in Belgium and in, in, in Hungary, for example, the younger generation and the generation around my age, they were in love with, with the Jay-Z's of this world, with the Rihanna's, you know, with the with the Nicki Minaj's of this world. And that kind of drew them towards Black people and saw them as companions, saw them as friends. Um, in football, it's the same. Football, it's, for me, more so. Um, you look at players like, like, like Didier Drogba, for example, who would have had... Interactions with with people in in his homeland, trying to stop civil wars, um, sport is an is an important tool in, in stopping this this fight against racism. And as I said, music is is the other one. Um, I think though, FIFA on a whole needs to really um, to to do more. Um, one of the things the president, uh, Infantino, what have done when he came in, which I thought was kind of a little bit backward, was that he stopped the uh, the, the group that they would have had, the, the anti-racism group that they would have had dealing with, with situations in FIFA. I think he, he kind of disbanded that. Um, obviously, he's in, 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 in the process of working on reform and working on a, a, a better anti, anti, uh, anti-racism uh, team. But in the meantime, work still needs to be done, um, and not only in the big leagues like Spain and Germany and France, but in the smaller countries. Um, there are a lot of situations happening in leagues all around the world that people don't really talk about. I've been to places like Guatemala and Honduras, and I believe me, when I tell you there's racism there as well. Um, so they need to really target these smaller countries, these these, these, these smaller um, places, really get in there. And um, really push forward some more with this fight
1: against racism, because to me, as I said, it's 2020, and it's it's it's, it's long overdue. The- Definitely, and I agree, Jen. And again, to to kind of always give a local perspective um, to you know to appeal to the the Halifax audience, especially. Um, there's there's even things with within <laughs> Halifax and the CSA that you know that need to be improved. And and you know these these are these are personal opinions and and uh, should be treated as such, but um, we just need to take quicker action, you know? Like there's sometimes where, you know, these governing bodies will say, yeah, we took action, but it took a year, you know? And I, I personally had an experience like that within, you know, playing soccer here that, you know, I went to club nationals in, in Cape Breton. And uh, when we were playing against one of the Ontario teams during the game, one of the, one of the kids dropped an N-bomb in my direction. And it was hurt by a few different people, um, and and we end up having a hearing about it uh, the next day. So in that sense, they acted quickly, quote unquote. But mm. even, believe me when I say this: this was the most shocking thing to me when I walked into that uh, that meeting. Um, the the club that we were playing against, I'm not I'm not going to say because I don't want to I don't want to make this about that, but the person who was sitting in the chair that was holding the hearing when I walked into the room was wearing a logo the same as the club that uh, of the person who had the incident how can you be unbiased if you rep if you represent that same club they couldn't have chose anybody else to have the conversation like I, I felt like you know walking into a room um, to talk to Trump about how we need to address racism. I guess, do you want to talk about systematic? I want to talk about systems, right? Like, yeah. and I'm not saying this man was Trump by any means, but I'm saying that he's not the best person to represent and discuss this topic at hand. And I I almost turned and walked out, but I was convinced. Mm-hmm. They told me, Marvin, like, if you're going to, you have to address this, it might happen to other people, and it's important that you address this now. And, and you know, I, I gathered myself and I got back and I had, the conversation that i had to have and um and, and the the person played the person finished the tournament first of all jesus christ and went to a medal game and then was given action a year after i got it was the weirdest thing ever i got a phone call like a year after from somebody being like hey marvin by the way remember this incident that happened a year ago <laughs> and i remember laughing being like are you kidding me this is this is one and how i'm hearing about this they're like yeah we just want to let you know That he's now suspended for 10 months from playing soccer, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you really think a year later that I feel good about your action that you're taking?
3: But this is um, what you say, you're right. I mean, it has to be at the moment because. It has to be. I remember remember, um, Balotelli, just to to, to name an example. Uh, He was playing with Brescia. Against uh, it was a match of Valutelli. Uh, and ha- it the same happened with last year to the same incident with him, and uh, they were uh, doing like racist chants to him, and after that in the press conference, mm-hmm. that two his own manager and the manager of 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 Verona who was the team that they were the supporters were doing the. Raised his chance against him. He went first and he said, You know what? Um, yeah, but these things happen in football. This is coming from the Serie a in Italy. And then Balotelli's own manager from Brescia said, Yeah, Mario is a sensitive guy. And, you know, how you don't back up that? So, stuff like this, it's kind of like,
1: Oh, definitely. Right. Dr- and, and, and
3: drive me crazy. In- and it's not, uh, just not, not to cut you off, but it's no, not no. only because they the welfare says, I am going to find you 65 pounds, like they did with the England-Bulgaria yeah, England, yeah, yeah. England Bulgaria yeah. thing. They happened, and they closed without fans. It's not about expensive fines. It's no. taking the matter right at the moment, you know? It's, it has to be at the moment,
1: it does. you know? It does. And the same way, though, like, this whole even, movement has to be, after george thing like it has to be immediate action i agree
3: and even if a player if you're in a match and two players are insulting each other immediately should be a red card it should be the racism card you know you know that's that's an offense you gotta educate people to the world you know taking extreme matters because this is what it needs to be done in my opinion
1: Chris, do you remember? Uh, do you remember Candy Games year for myself and, and and that group of boys when when what happened to, to Sebastian Hawk? Do you remember? Yes, like the, I the do. The spitting, the spitting incident.
2: Yeah, and like uh, oh, oh
1: that. My, the, that the nepotism of that was ridiculous. So that is an example of how swift yep. action should be taken. And just yep. just so everyone knows what happened, you know, we were in the middle of a game and one of my teammates. Um, spit in the direction of a ref we'll say and and he ended up being made an example of um, yeah. and he was kicked out of not only playing soccer in Nova Scotia but in Canada yep. for like eight months and the, the the hearings and everything that happened were all done within a week of the incident and and the decision was made with by the end of the week and he knew by like if it happened Friday, by next Friday, he knew you're suspended from playing soccer for eight months. You're not going to candy games. And this is what's happening. And we treat this very seriously. Why not the same for racism? Why not? Mm-hmm. It should be quicker, to be perfectly honest. Exactly. That you should know? be the minimum standard, right? Well, like, dude, in, in general, when it comes to racism, um, because it is it is important that, <laughs> you, again, you strike while the iron's hot. So yeah. I'll leave it at that.
4: Yeah, but, but let me just add that, and and again, I, I just have to say it again, because for me, for this racism situation to stop in 2020, as much as the people who are affected directly have to take action and have to stand, it is more important for the people who are not directly affected to stand. I think that is the only way we could even have a chance, because we are in the minority in most of these situations we are in the minority we black people are in the minority and we need that extra support we need that again solidarity from people who are not affected to stand up to be able to identify these situations to be able to hold other people accountable and say you know what that what you are doing is wrong and it has to stop absolutely
0: well said. Um I, I just really want to thank everybody for sharing. I've learned a hell of a lot and I really I really, really appreciate it. Um I really hope that our listeners learn a lot from it too. We've a long way to go and hopefully as you said this is gonna kick start some some stuff. Uh just before I let you go though, Marvin, um uh, I just wanted to ask you a quick question about uh the the season tickets. Obviously the season we haven't had any home games yet, and there's talk of the, the games being sent to PEI, Victoria, the North Pole, Ser- Siberia. There's a, there's a, <laughs> a, they might even pop yeah, down that that might the be better knife, for me and Michael. Knife.
3: That might be better that, for me uh, and Michael. Yellow knife.
0: They
2: might do be we, able to get flights at the same time, Jan, if it's the North Pole. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's what I mean. Jan can get to the team quick then.
0: No jurisdiction yeah. in the North Pole. They might the way you head down to the to to Trinidad to have a game too. Uh so so I, I know just from looking at the forums and stuff online that people have been kinda of asking questions about what happens with the season tickets. I'm just wondering yep. if there's anything that the club has kind of said that they want to do or if it's something that hasn't been brought up yet or you can just fill us in a little bit I'd appreciate it.
1: Oh definitely definitely you know all jokes aside it is it is important to to, to note um, but like like every other business um, you know it, it, it's strange times during during this pandemic and and that's that's no secret with with our team and, and the league that there's there's a lot of unfamiliarity with what's happening and you know the, <laughs> we're only in year two so it is something that we're going to be addressing in the coming weeks, and there's going to be a, a public message. Um, there's a lot of conversations being had behind closed doors. Um, and I know Derek's working with Dr. Strang and, and you know, everybody. Is, is In terms of, like, the other teams in the league, they're working with their equivalent Dr. Strang's, but, you know, we're, we're lucky that we're in Nova Scotia and, you know, a Derek can have a conversation with somebody like that because of our low population. You know, we have to acknowledge that it's a little tougher in Ontario for them to do that and in and BC and, and, and those other places. That's one of the barriers that we face. But um, there, is, there is good news in the sense that, you know, a lot of the provinces that have teams are slowly phasing and moving forward. And uh, and as the league did put out a message about, you know, it is still at this point postponed and not canceled. Um, so all options are still are still on the table. And uh, and you know, there's no Quebec. Quebec's been one of the few that's that's been really hit. And there's no team in Quebec right now. So that has been one thing that again is is a positive for us. There's no travel to the U.S. We're a strictly Canadian league. So there's there's a lot of positives that we're looking at right now and as we try to come up with a solution that, that is inclusive, um, which is why we can't be rushed and why they're, they're, doing, they're trusting the process and they're going through um, the proper channels and, and making sure that when we do come out with a statement and when the, the league comes out with a statement that it's something that is inclusive and covers everybody's safety and, and staff, players, fans, everybody. So um, we do, I do ask you know, people be a bit patient because it is all very new to everybody. Um, and if you have any specific questions, um, I'm always happy as, you know, the manager of member services to answer any questions and anybody who has, I've been very honest and very blunt with, with what we can and can't do. Um, so if there are people who who are in that boat, feel free to shoot, shoot us an email, be it in the info or to me specifically. Um, and we'll take care of you. It's just, just be very very understanding that you know this is all new to, to to everybody, and we're all being affected. So, so don't have unrealistic expe- expectations at the same time.
0: So the the rumor that's been going around that the team will come over and cook your dinner once a week. Uh, for your season ticket money isn't true. <laughs> Yan yeah, Michael might.
1: <laughs> yeah, Jeff, Michael might or maybe maybe even Missy, you know. Missy are uh, a pretty good cook. Uh, might be willing to do
2: that. There you go. There you go. go. <laughs> Yan, yeah, Michael and Missy, Master Chef Halifax Wanderers <laughs> <laughs> edition. There you go. So, yeah, Michael, uh, actually, before we cut, real quick, um, I was actually a question I wanted to ask you in regards to now that you're retired. Um, a lot of guys find it a hard time keeping physically fit and keep eating healthy and stuff like that that kind of changed their lifestyle. This is just off the record. You only have to keep this, Anthony. Um but what have you been doing to just kind of stay in your your I guess career, mental state and physical state while still trying to enjoy your your freedom if you will.
4: That's a, that's a good question. Um so in 2007, 2008 season, domestically, I was playing back here in Trinidad um with double connection and i was awarded to be the best player of this season and also the goalkeeper of the year in the league um today that's still i'm still the only goalkeeper that has won that award or won the both awards in the same year um and i won one of the prizes i won was a Bo flex. <laughs> funny enough a Bo flex has a <laughs> like then guarantee um, and the first time I used it was around March 20, 25th or twenty sixth, and I, I I use it basically almost every day since then. Um, I, I, I love to work out. Um, regardless if it's late at night or early morning, I think it, it without anything to do. At this point, um, uh, I just I just work out all the time to be honest. So I kind of set up like a whole gym in the back with, with uh, um with the bull flex and some other gym equipment that i have um, i try to get the people in in, in proximity in my daughter and, and and my wife involved in looking out as well and yeah i just I just look out as 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 much as possible and i kinda ask her to to try to cook as healthy as possible if you come from the caribbean you know one of the best things from the caribbean is the food um and I cannot <laughs> stop eating at this point, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna and take a ride on the on the on the spin bike. So yeah, what just about- we got us- and, uh, just try your best to stay away from all the, the the
0: goodies unhealthy food. What about the rum? Whoa! Well, that's an
3: entirely different concept. <laughs> no, there's no calories in rum. <laughs> if you're drinking with no pop. <laughs> I'm drinking rum and Red Bull. She
4: actually complains sometimes because from the time it goes to Thursday, Friday, um, straight to Sunday, that's me. But like during the week, like now I'm just laughing, not having anything. But from the time it gets to Tuesday and to Friday,
3: yeah. So, so you're telling that your cheat days are the are the weekends. So that's when you have your rum.
4: Sometimes the weekend starts. If I feel if I feel out of it on a Tuesday, um, my weekend starts on a Tuesday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's on that new Trudeau four day four day week, hey.
2: <laughs> Regardless, though, Yan, yeah, man, it's 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 good to hear you're enjoying yourself, brother. Um, yeah. and I know you've heard it from so many people. We appreciate the year that you gave us, man. Um, and you know. It must have been hard to say goodbye, but we're glad that you're coming back because I'd say most people would have loved to have you back. As much as we love Christian, what better goalkeeping tandem in the world? In all honesty, I don't care what anybody says. You boys could compete. I think, I
4: think with, with Christian and I, I, as, as many people as I talk to, I, I have to say this. This guy is exceptional. From the first day that I saw him, he's this good his work ethic, his attitude towards training and towards learning. And he was one of the big parts of me coming back into the setup. Um, I just want to pass every little bit of information and experience that I have on team because I'm telling you, this thing for something,
1: um, something big. Yeah, biggest biggest save I've had against in my career was Christian robbed me on East Link. I don't know if you saw that one, Chris. It was ridiculous. No, I think I missed that one because if yeah. I saw that one, I had to get you a couple times. <laughs> no, who's, yeah. this, who's this
2: Oxner fellow that robbed you, bro? Like... <laughs> no, nah, Christian's also, a real uh,
1: deal.
4: I've seen Marvin shoot, and I, I don't think it was a difficult save. <laughs> oh,
2: wow. All right, we'll see you we'll in wow. practice
1: there, Jan. We'll see you in practice. <laughs> I'll
0: be coming out. <laughs> guess, guess who's gonna be working in the rover costume in the summer? <laughs> Jan <Jack> Michael. <laughs> so, I, I really want to thank everybody for hanging out. It's been it's been a lot of fun. For the first part, the second part was was really informative, and I really appreciate you guys like uh, telling your stories and stuff like that. It's been great. And um, as I said, hopefully. People learn from it and everybody will just get that little bit better.
1: Definitely. And thank you, Anthony, You know, for using your, your platform to have the discussion and uh, having the tough conversation and acknowledging the elephant in the room that is racism. So, so thanks for that. Uh, Chris, Carlos, uh, Jan, everyone, thanks, guys. Thank well, you, guys,
4: man. again. I must say thanks for the, for the platform. Thanks for the opportunity. And as much as you guys may not be part of the problem you
0: can
1: definitely be part answer, of the solution. Amen definitely. Amen <laughs> She's right. she, she, great, she, way, great way to wrap it up
0: You've been listening to the Down the pull podcast I want to thank our guests Marvin O'Kello and Jan Michael Williams and also our regulars Chris and Carlos Thanks to Nico for being so understanding that episode will be available on Friday Stay safe and be kind to everyone as you never know who might need that act of kindness Until next time Cheers. You've been listening to the Down the Pub Podcast, recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, cheers.